Folks, I'm like any preacher. You want to preach good. You know, you don't want to embarrass yourself and the church and everybody else around you. And so, you know, there's a part of you that wants to get something unique or catchy. And as I began to walk around here praying, I felt the conviction come over me. And the Lord reminded me of something that I've often said, but sometimes it's harder to actually live than what you think people aren't as interested in your catchy little sermon titles as they are in the message that you're going to deliver. And so sometimes the simplest things can be the trigger that turns the tide in our life. It's not a great revelation. It's not something from another world, but it's just a simple realization It was that kind of thing that turned men's hearts in times of old. The the, uh, Reformation, that movement that transformed a dead religious culture of formalism and deadness into a life flow out of which came the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in time to come. It began one day when a man sat and listened to a sermon. I believe it was about the love of God. And though he was a very learned scholar of the Bible, he didn't really know the Lord. And while he sat there in that meeting, the Bible, or his story says, that suddenly that love of God and the reality of that love began to make its way through his crusty mind and down into his being and he said suddenly I began to feel this warmth of transformation that came over my life and he said it was that moment that turned my life around amen so I don't know what God's going to do today but I do believe God's given me a word for somebody some of you not just one or two but many of you today Amen. Psalm chapter 42. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Psalms chapter 42. And it begins like this. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth. For God, the living God, when shall I come and appear before Him? My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and and with a multitude that kept holy day. But just keeping holy day didn't make any difference in his day. 
Just because you're sitting on a church pew this morning doesn't mean anything transformational is going to happen to you. He had gone with them to the very house of God. But listen to him. Even in that place, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Verse number 6. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Even if I could put it in my modern, in my simple way, even singing all of the songs, and rehearsing all of the quotes, the mantra that they went through when they came to the house of God. Going through all of that had not changed what was going on here. He said the right things, or at least he thought he was saying them. But here, the problem still existed. And it was here that he was most troubled about. Because this was what was affecting his whole life. And so he said in verse number 6, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, underline the word therefore. Therefore, I, or therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonite from the hill Mizar. That's going to conclude my reading. My subject is very simple this morning, and it's simply this. There comes a time. Say that with me. There comes a time. Say it again. There comes a time. Amen. God bless you. Oh, Lord, help me today. I know that I feel this deeply right now, but to be able to translate my feelings into words, I need your anointing. I need your help. I need you to touch the hearts of people right now. I need you to capture minds and their attention and not let anything distract them from what the Word would want to say this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise one more time. It is not the amount of water that surrounds a vessel that will sink it. Though that vessel may be in the Atlantic Ocean and the waves be high and troubled, There is no amount of water on the outside that can sink a vessel. It is only the water that comes within. Because the ship was built to sail troubled seas. Nobody builds a boat to sink. Nobody. Nobody goes into the time and the engineering 
to put together all of the steel and the metal and the structure and the components to know that it will never float. It will never be able to survive. Every shipmaster, builder, designer has one thing in mind when they set sail. That they are on a vessel that is capable of doing just about anything that needs to be done. And no matter what kind of sea they encounter or storm that comes, they can survive as long as they keep the water on the outside and not allow it on the inside. It seems strange to me that a king would be writing this psalm. A king. I don't know if I can keep this on my head or not. I have a pointed head. doesn't fit. But the king, this is the king speaking, not me, there. All right? He sat with a crown on his head, authority at the beck and call of his word. Whatever his desire, whatever his want, he had that at his disposal. And yet that man who wore a crown had a heart that was so heavy and weighted down that no amount of kingship could change what was going on on the inside of him. It seems strange to me sometimes that kings have problems, but they do. And by that I simply mean that sometimes the best people in life go through the hardest times. Just because there's a crown on your head doesn't mean there's not a pain in your heart. And the problem is that no matter what that crown might say, the heart keeps telling you otherwise. And so no matter how David tried to look at himself in the mirror with his crown, it could not change what he felt in his heart and what was going on in the hidden part. Within him, he said, my soul is cast down. You can be a blessed man or a blessed woman in many ways and still be living through hell right now. You can have all of the favors of life surrounding you. You can have a good job. You can have a great future. You can live in a good home and drive a good car and have security for days to come. But that doesn't always change what's going on on the inside. And so for David, though he had all of those things, there was something going on inside. There was a hole that was letting the water of life and the storm that he was going through and the troubles that he was encountering. It was allowing that water to get down on the inside. And it began to foul his spirit and his mind and his thinking and his thoughts and his words. No matter how you try, no matter what you do, it seems impossible to come out of it. You get heavy and your spirit is, is weak and your strength is gone. And the, no matter how hard you try or whatever you do, the courage just flees you and your hope 
disappears and vanishes. And we're like a wreck on the sea tossed by the wind at the whims of all the stuff going on around us. The circumstances were just too great, it seemed, at the moment, whatever they were. And I do not know at this time, I, 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 I know there were reasons why, but I have come to determine in life that sometimes there are things that go on in the human heart that you can't put a finger on necessarily and say that's where the, my trouble's coming from over there or is coming from this quarter or is coming from that area. It's just all of the accumulation of things that begin to mount in a person's life until they feel wearied and wore out. And though they still have an upright body, their spirit is pushed down within them. You know how I can tell that in church? When people that ought to know how to worship don't worship. That's a good indication. Something has got a hold of their heart. And though their head might know otherwise, their heart is just keep. It just keeps pushing them further and further and further. It pushes them back and away. And it, and it pushes them farther from God rather than drawing them to. No matter what they know up here, it's what's going on in here that's affecting them and making the difference. And though they know that worship could help them, somehow they can't convince their heart of that. They can't make their mouth speak what their mind knows. And so what comes out of them is this weariness of spirit. And, and you can see it in their body language. They, they don't ever smile. They don't ever seem happy. They don't ever seem to understand where they are at the moment. And life becomes just one heavy, heavy thing. I want to tell you something this morning that a heavy heart is hard to deal with. It's hard. You, you can deal with some nutcases on your job. You can deal with idiots for neighbors. You can deal with crazy people on the freeway. But when your heart starts hurting and your spirit becomes affected, there's something about a heavy heart that no matter what you seem to be surrounded by, it doesn't seem to change what's going on on the inside. Amen. There are a lot of causes for people being cast down. It could be a family problem. It could be a health issue. It could be a job-related issue. It could be a personal struggle. It could be just a weakness, a work-related uh, irritant, something that gets on your nerves, and it's constant and steady. It's like a thorn in the flesh. It just prods you and pricks you and constantly reminds you of your weakness and your vulnerability and no matter how you adjust yourself in the bed at night you can't ever seem to get comfortable enough so that you can go to sleep and sleep well because something in the heart is just so heavy and though you have a crown on your head and you have authority in your word somehow it can't be translated because of what's going on in here So David was in that place. He, he, I don't know what happened. I don't know what caused it. But he was in deep water. He was in deep trouble. Not only was he in deep water, but that deep water was seeking 
are, are seeping into his own spirit. And it was impossible to lighten the load. It, whatever he tried, could not seem, he could not seem to lift it up. He was discouraged. That's what the word uh, indicates. He was discouraged. But it doesn't stop there. It means more than just discouraged. It means he was disappointed. So evidently some things had happened in his life that had not gone according to plan. They had not happened like he had imagined. He had done all the right thing. He did everything God asked of him. And trouble still came. He still had a heartbreak. He still had a breakdown. He still had a breakup. He still had to go through hell. And no matter what he did, it didn't change what was going on around him. He was disappointed. He said, disappointed. Say it word, disappointed. He was not just discouraged. He was disappointed. His soul was in a dump. It was in a bad place, depressed. He was sad, gloomy. There was this dark cloud that no matter where he went, even if the sun was shining everywhere else, wherever he went, there was this cloud. He come to church. There's people at church that are smiling and happy, but it didn't make any difference because hanging over him was this dark, gloomy spirit. And it was pushing on him. Guys, I need you to help. Now, remember, I'm an old man, so don't hurt me. You guys, I want you four guys to help me. Now, you're going you're gonna to be my problems, okay? Not in real life. You might be your parents' problems, but I don't think you're my problem this morning. But you're going to be my problems. Now, I don't want you to do it all at once, but I want one of you just to start pushing on me. Not my head, but my heart. Just reach out. That's okay. Just put your hand up. Just start pushing on me. And no matter how... I try to pray and worship. Come on, come on, keep it up, keep it up. Don't stop. Come on. And, and then that would be enough if I just had one problem. Come on, guy. You're my other problem. And it starts pushing on me, pushing on me. Come on, guys. I got another problem that pops up now. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. I need one more problem. Come on. Push me. Oh, oh, come on. Push me. Keep pushing. Come on. That's, that's what was going on with David. And he was down. And, and they just kept pressing until something happened in his mind. And all of a sudden he realized, you know what? I'm not going to live like this. And he come up out of that. And he said, you know what? There comes a time in your life when you have to get on your feet and decide that I am better than my problem. I am better than my trouble. I am not going to live in my disappointment. There comes a time in your life when you've got to fight back. You can't lay down and let it push you in the hole. You've got to come out of it. I'm coming out of it. I'm not living depressed. I'm not living this. I don't care what anybody else does. Crown on his head. 
pressure on his heart, pushing him back. And the strange thing that happened is that instead of letting his head affect his heart, he let his heart affect his head. And he forgot who he was. He wasn't just a king. He was a child of God. All of a sudden, David remembered how that crown even got there. When God could have picked anybody, he looked through all of his brothers and said, No, not you. No, not you. No, not you. Yeah, you're the one. Come on, David. You're the man for the hour. And when God could have picked anybody else, he didn't. He chose you. And he put a crown on your head. And if you're not careful in life, you'll let your heart begin to talk you out of what your head ought to be telling you. My God, I feel like somebody needs to get up. Lord, I need your strength right now. I need your strength right now. You you can let your problems define you if you want to. You can let what you've gone through define you. You can let it do more than that. You can allow it to cause you to forget what you should know. I'm a king. But I'm not a king because of anything I did. I'm a king because of what he's done. He chose me. He put me where I am. He anointed my life. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. He made me his own. He called me his son. He called me his child. And there comes a time in your life when you've got to get up and start acting like it. You've got to start getting up and living like a king's kid. You've got to get up and shout your way out of it. Pray your way out of it. Fight your way out of it. Oh. Mm. Woo. Woo. There comes a time. When you got to remember something. You, and that's what he said. He said, my heart was overwhelmed. He just kept pushing me, pushing me down, 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 down. Until finally, something happened in David. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's what I feel right now. 
But something came over David. Brother Eddie, when he was down, and all of a sudden something started down inside in his gut. It started boiling up. And he said, oh, wait a second. This ain't how this story is going to end. This isn't the way my life's going to come to an end. I'm not dying in my dilemma. I'm not dying in this situation. And he said, therefore, he got up on his feet and he said, you know what? I may not feel one ounce different than I did the moment before, but I decided that I'm going to let my head start talking to me instead of my heart. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. You need to start acting like a child of God. Going around depressed all the time. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying somewhere you need to realize what's happened. You let the trouble of your heart overrule the knowledge in your head. And if you just take a minute and start thinking about what the Lord's done for you and where he's brought you from and the fact that if it had not been for the Lord, you would have already gone down. The devil would have already taken you out. But he didn't and he can't. Because your life is not in the devil's hands. Your life is in God's hands. So you need to start acting like a king. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm going to start living like a king. I'm going to start talking like a king. What comes out of my mouth, I'm going to start speaking like a king. I'm going to speak with authority. I'm going to speak with power. I'm going to speak the word that God puts in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in me. All of you stand up. Some of you worried I'm fixing to come back where you sit. It's too late. There comes a time when you just have to... I read something the other day. How to get up from a fall. How to get up from a fall. I didn't know it, but YouTube has videos on how to get up from a fall. You guys might have to help me here. You're down. Now... You're not going to instantly stand on your feet from this position. At least I can. J.J. Watts might be able to. He might be able to leap over buildings and stop bullets. But oh me, I'm down. Now, almost every one of them says if you want to get up from a fall, you need to think clearly. Roll over on your side. Just start with a simple step. And then get your knees. Start getting your knees under you. And begin to push up. Don't stand up. Just push yourself up on your knees. And sometimes that's all you can do for a while. Just get on your knees. Yeah. 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 Yes. 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 
Yes. Yes. Oh, this may be all I can do for a while, but finally I get to a place when I'm on my knees where I can get up a little higher. And I can begin to get up. There's nothing wrong with crawling if that's all you can do. One of the most powerful revivals that Life Tabernacle ever experienced was under the ministry of C.R. Free. Probably one of the most powerful men that ever lived, still alive. But they were in revival on Market and Rouse Street. Brother Kilgore had called him because he had been having phenomenal revivals. Hundreds of people receiving the Holy Ghost miracles, all kinds of things. Brother Kilgore prayed. God spoke to him and said, you need to bring CR free here. So they started revival. I don't know the whole story, but this is what I remember Brother Kilgore telling me. He said when they started revival, they fought every devil in hell. He said from the first night, it was like something was saying in my mind, you misunderstood God. You must not have heard God properly. God, God didn't mean that. And he said he just kept going on, kept going on. He said... There were, I don't know, there were a few services, if I remember correctly. But he said one day, he comes into the sanctuary and he hears a noise, but he can't see anybody. And he stops for a moment to try to find out who, what it is, and he realizes it's a man praying. But he can't see anybody praying, but he can hear this groaning from down inside. And so very quietly, he began to move around the auditorium until he found Brother Free. Brother Free was on his knees. Oh God, send revival. Oh God, send revival. Oh God, send revival. We gotta have it. We've gotta have a breakthrough, God. We gotta have a breakthrough. We can't we can't keep going like we are. We gotta have a breakthrough. We can't just go. We gotta have it now. Ah, God, I don't know what kind of devils we're fighting, but you got to give us power over those devils. And Brother Kilgore said, I watched him as he crawled on his hands and knees around that entire auditorium. And he said, when we came back to church, something broke in the Holy Ghost. And there was this outpouring of God's Spirit. Because somebody decided to start moving, doing what they could. You see, there comes a time when you just have to square your shoulders and say, no, 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 I'm coming out of this. I'm not going to be identified by this. I'm not letting my problems determine my destiny. I'm not letting my problems dictate my happiness, my peace, my joy. So I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. So he began to rehearse. Jordan. That's where they entered the promised land. What did God do at Jordan? He stopped the waters and pushed it back and let them walk over on dry ground. And not only that, but when they got on the other side and they faced Jericho, he gave them a plan on how to overcome that. And they followed his plan and God gave them the victory. And then he took him from there. He took him to the highest mountain, which was Mount Hermon in in the land of Judah. The snow-capped mountain that never loses its snow in the summer or winter. 
and he was reminded that there's some things that never change, that God is faithful. He is the same God today as he was yesterday, and he will be the same God tomorrow that he is today, and he was yesterday. And then he went down to a little lonely hill called Mazar, and in that little lonely place, he saw God in that lonely place. He realized that God was there too. And he said, I'm not living like this anymore. And he came out. Now the word remember in the Greek and Hebrew, I should say, has a dual meaning. It means more than just bringing back to mind. Just rehearsing or, or letting something go over in your mind. Just recalling. That's, it means more. Than, it means that, but it means more than that. It also means that you not only recall, but you begin to rehearse what you recall. You start thinking back over all your life and where God brought you what he's done for you and how he got you out of that and this and that and this and here we are right now and so instead of just thinking about it he starts confessing it he starts speaking it out of his mouth he starts talking like a king again God is on the throne God is in control I don't care what circumstances say I don't care if the world is going to hell in a handbasket God is still on the throne he still sits on the circle of the earth He still has all power in his hand. There's nothing too hard for God. Yes. Yes. There's nothing too hard for God. You need to start acting like that. You need to start living like that. You need to start praying like that. Keep it up. 